glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. Now, jealousy is not normally used in a positive sense, but here it is. Paul calls jealousy here godly jealousy. He says, For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. That word simplicity there means singleness. Uh, That is sincerity, to be without dissimulation or self-seeking. It can mean generosity or bestowal or bountifulness or liberality, but in essence it's singleness, uh, to be without dissimulation or self-serving, in the heart. I want you to think back, and you may not be familiar with the story, to the book of Genesis. And if you're not, I'll try to fill it in enough. Uh, in Genesis chapter 24, there's Abraham. And Abraham is getting up in years. His wife, Sarah, has died. She's been dead for three years, if, as we can see. She's died, and Isaac needs a wife. Isaac's 40 years old now. He's still unmarried. And, uh, and so Isaac needs a bride. If, if, God's covenant to Abraham is going to come about, and he's going to be a father of many nations. Isaac needs to get married and have some children. I don't know about you. I'm 40, and I'm trying to imagine my dad picking my wife. I'll be honest with you. I probably would trust him more at 40 than I would have at 20. Just to be honest with you, I think I could lean pretty hard on him and know he would do a good job, right? He wouldn't steer me wrong. But the fact is, Isaac is 40. His dad calls the servant, unnamed servant, says, I want you to go back to the country we came from and choose a wife for my son. Now, he gave some very specific criteria. She had to be, uh, she could not be of the Canaanites who are worshiping false gods. She had to be from his own kindred back in the, in, in the earth of Chaldees. So the servant goes and he finds Rebekah. And he takes with him some earrings and bracelets, basically engagement rings. And he goes, and she has to trust his word, that there's this man named Isaac. He was a wealthy man, a man that could take good care of her, would love her. He's a good man, a man that loved God. And the servant is a picture and type of the Holy Spirit. And he goes and tells Rebecca all about Isaac and that he wants her to be Isaac's wife. Now, God had led him, and he explained how God had led him on his way And she believes the message of God that God had sent this man. And she says, yes, I will marry. So I bring that story up. And so then Isaac, uh, the the servant puts the bracelets on her and the earrings on her. They take camels and they go back. And Isaac waits and meets them in the field. And they're married and and, uh, have Jacob and Esau and so forth. I bring that up because Paul says, I have espoused you to one husband. It's the same picture as in Genesis 24 where the servant went found a bride for the groom, and then says, Now I am espousing you to Isaac. Paul was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and his job was to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ and to, to see them, trust him as their Savior, and be married to him in the sense of the figurative sense that they were preparing to meet the Savior. And just like Rebecca got on those ten, camel, those ten camels and the loads of things that the servant had brought in preparation to meet Isaac and Here's the servant bringing her. Can you imagine Rebecca along the line saying, Ho, ho, hold on, servant, stop. There's a nice-looking fellow over there. He might be better than the guy you're promising. Let me go talk to him for a minute. And he says, No, wait, wait, wait. No, I espoused you to one. I, you said you were willing to marry my master's son. And 
That's not him. And the whole journey, there's distraction. Oh, look at that guy. He looks nice. Is Isaac better than him? Is she really sold out? (laughs) And that's the picture I believe Paul is painting here. He said, I, he's like the servant, have espoused you to one, that being Jesus Christ, who would be like Isaac. But he was concerned that Satan was saying, hey, here's something better than the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's something better than loyalty to Christ, love for Christ, dependence on Christ, uh, devotion to Him. And he's cautioning them that they would not get caught up in a duplicitous life of giving their heart to someone other than the one who had bought them with His blood. And I think today we need the same caution, the same instruction. So let me give you three things. Let's read again the first couple of verses. And then we're going to focus our attention on this term espousal. I want to, I want to understand what it was because it applies to us as Christians and as a local New Testament church, we need to understand where our loyalty lies. Who are we beholden to? Uh, who are we to depend on? Who are we to serve? In the Scripture, the, the, uh, the, the husband is the head of the wife and Christ is the head of the church and we're to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and serve as His helpmeet. We are preparing to meet Him and spend all eternity with Him. And so then this period between now and then really is our espousal. We have been espoused to Him and we have accepted His offer of salvation and to to bring us unto Himself. And so then we need to understand the term espousal and how it applies to us in the spiritual sense. So verse 1 again. Would to God ye could bear with me a a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Again verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Let me give you the definition of espousals from Webster's 1913 dictionary. It means um, to betroth or espouse or to promise solemnly or sacredly. It means to betroth or to promise in marriage to give as a spouse. So it is the promise you make to marry someone before you actually do. Again, we understand this. We call it engagement. May I say this? Though we are in a culture that has made provision for breaking promises and saying it's okay. The Bible says, Swear not by heaven or earth. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. James 3.17 tells us that. Matthew chapter 5, I think it's 26 and 27, tells us that. We're not swear by heaven or earth nor the things that are in the earth, but we're to let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. Meaning, let your yes be yes. Be people of your word. We shouldn't have to, you can take fault with me on it, you shouldn't have to lay your hand on the Bible and swear. You should just say yes and it should be so. You should be able to affirm, I will do what I say I will do, not have to be bound by some greater, if you're a child of God, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. And when it comes to this matter with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I fear, as Paul feared, that we view our relationship with him as often we do our relationship with other human beings as disposable, as... as um, Maybe, if not disposable, eh, he's not disposable to me, but he's on par with others. May I say this? Um, it is a sin to be a respecter of persons, but it is also a sin to not give proper honor where it is due. If my wife calls me, and I see she's calling me, I answer the phone. I mean, I just answer the phone. Sometimes I see phone calls, and it's somebody I don't know, and I say, they can leave me a voicemail. I give different respect to my wife because she's my wife. Understand? Uh, she has a greater place in my life than 
not just any other woman, any other person, really. I mean, we have, we're one flesh, and so she has a place that others do not. The marriage relationship is so important that God says it is supposed to supersede the parental child relationship. A man is to leave his father and his mother and to cleave unto his wife. When you get married, God says you've got to be more loyal in your marriage than you are even to your parents. A lot of folks would do well to understand that. I didn't intend this to be a marriage counseling session this morning. But it would be well to understand that. You're married now. That's where your devotion is at. But let's roll that into this matter of Christ. How many times is the Lord Jesus a person in our lives? He is a component in my life. He is um, one of many. Can you imagine if I told my wife, I'd say, you're my favorite woman. Honestly, can you imagine? You think that would go well? I mean, she is, but that's no way to put it. She's my favorite person, and that's the truth of it. Well, I like a lot of women, but you're the best one. Ah, but listen to me. We treat Jesus Christ that way. There's a lot of things I love. I love I love money. Everybody does, but I love Jesus more. That won't fly. I love, I love pleasure, but I don't love it as much as Jesus. That won't fly. It's what Paul's talking about. There's no room for a double heart when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet so many times he's on par. This is why, now hear me now, don't lose me this morning. It's why we have gotten in the habit, and I want you to pay attention, of people ceasing to refer to him as the Lord Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ or Christ our Lord. He's just Jesus. Me and Jesus. Because he's like my best neighbor and he's like my good buddy down the street. And, you know, we have a nice relationship, but he understands that I'm busy and I don't always have time for him. He is one among many. Preeminence means he's the only. He holds my heart in loyalty. A marriage is something when one person says to the other person, I will be distinctly loyal to you in our relationship and in our partnership. And the other one says, and I to you, and I will not seek uh, for my own personal pleasure to the end that it will be a detriment to you. And so this idea of espousal is promising one in marriage. And so let's, let's consider three things about espousal. Number one, espousal is a decision. It is a decision. Remember I referred to Genesis 24. The servant of Abraham went to Rebekah and he said, My master sent me and God answered prayer and he sent you my way. And he explained the specific prayer he prayed and how Rebekah was the answer to that prayer. But when it came time for whether or not she would go back with him, who had to make the choice whether or not she would go? She did. Laban was asked, that was her brother, her father was asked, they had to give their permission, but ultimately they said, ask her if she wants to go, she can go. Meaning Abraham was willing to have her marry his son, the servant was willing, Isaac trusted the servant to pick a mate for him, it was up to Rebecca now, espousal in God's way, can you, who wants a wedding like this, would you please marry me, not in a thousand years, would you marry me? <laughs> Yes, if I have to. There's forced weddings like that, are there not? That is misery, and that's not marriage at all. Espousal is a decision. It is a willful choice on the part of two people to join in a relationship that is unique from any other relationship, and both parties are desirous and willing to enter into that marriage. Correct? That's espousal. You know what? When you got saved, it works like this. God in heaven was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, uh, the church, as if you would, as an institution, is the bride of Jesus Christ. 
It is what he's preparing for himself to spend all eternity with him to be his companion and his help me. Marriage is a type of Christ in the church. That's what Ephesians 5 says. And so the local New Testament church is made up of believers. And when God saved us, God was willing to make us a bride unto his son. He was willing for us. The son is willing. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. But you didn't get saved until you were willing to let him do that for you. Until you were willing to let the Lord Jesus purchase you as in old men would purchase a bride, bought you with his blood, it is a decision that has to be made. It is a personal decision. Only two people, the one that wants the wife and the woman that is willing to say, yes, I will I will come be your helpmate. I will be your companion. I will be uh, your, your completer, if you would. And so the Lord Jesus Christ one day spoke to your heart, said, I would like for you to be part of my bride. Now, you may not have understood it in that way, but when he saved you, that's what he did. He, he added you unto his spiritual body, if you would, and so it's a personal decision. It is a decision that is a partnered decision, meaning two parties make this to enter into a marriage. And number three, it is a preparatory decision. Uh, an espousal is not marriage, but it is a step to prepare for marriage. It gives an opportunity to both, for both people to prove themselves faithful before they enter into marriage. August 2000, uh, uh, excuse me, 1999. August 1999 is when my wife and I got engaged. And when I worked just like so many engagements do, we were both very young, uh, and I gave her an engagement ring for me. It was an expensive ring. Man, I tell you what, we couldn't go anywhere without her saying, hey, look, we're engaged. We're going to get married. She showed her ring everywhere. And that, uh, uh, that was to say, I have decided. You know what? When somebody says, oh, you got a ring, you know what the next question is? Who are you getting married to? Who are you going to marry? Yeah, we know. And she said, well, I'm going to marry Nevin and Bill and Johnny. And So they all pitched in and bought you the ring? No, God's way is you marry one, right? When we got saved, only one died for us. Only one shed his blood for us. Only one says he's preparing a place for us. Amen? But there are many others who vie for our hearts until we meet him one day when he comes to get us. And I say this today, the greatest warning to Bonners Ferry Baptist Church is to guard our heart against this whole rotten world. The world is not our, is not our mate. The world has done nothing for us. The world did not save us. We're, the world is condemned. Uh, and I say the world, the lost, unsaved that are out here, we love them and want to see them saved. But may I say this, we love them only because he loves them and died for them. Every part of our life should say, this is under the banner of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Every part. Every part of my life is connected to who He is. If I'm a, if I'm a husband, Lord, may I be a right husband to Your glory and honor. As a father, as a pastor, as a citizen, whatever it may be, everything falls in... My entire identity is wrapped up in my relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that uh, the way it works, uh, when a, a lady is taken into a marriage, she gives up her maiden name to take on the name of that husband. What she's saying is, I now identify with him. May I say this, when we get saved, we lose our identity in this world, and we are known for you, our companion of Jesus Christ. That's what marriage does. It changes our identity, yes? An espousal is a preparation for that. May I say this, if someone is espoused, they can't be faithful during the espousal period. They're not ready for marriage now, are they? Espousal is a preparatory decision. Fourthly, it's a permanent decision. 
when someone, this is God's way, God's, God's way, and I understand man has messed this up, but God's way of marriage is permanent until one dies. You can study the scripture from one side to the other. God's plan is what God hath joined together, Matthew 19, verse 6, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. The relationship with Jesus Christ is a permanent one. When we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to come to the point where we say, you know what, uh, I, I, am, I am willing to let him save me. And what happens is, is our loyalty shifts from ourself. That's what sin is, loyalty to self. Our loyalty shifts from this world to say, I am trusting the one who died for me. And when it talks about dying to ourselves, that's that death to our identity, to our old sin life. We're raised to walk in newness of life. And when we make a decision to let Christ be our Savior, it is to be a permanent one. An espousal is just preparation for a life until death us do part. And because we have eternal life, nothing will part the marriage relationship with Christ. And so then the idea is it's a decision. It's a, an espousal is not just random. It's a decision that uh, the Lord has made to want us to be His own. And it's a decision we made to let us purchase, let Him purchase us out of the slavery of sin to be His own. Psalm 23 verses 5 and 6, David says, uh, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Psalm 27, he said, One thing about desire to the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I've heard people say something like this. Well, if you're not sure about Jesus, you all just try Him. That's not the way it works. You don't try Jesus. He either is the Son of God, He either is the only way of salvation, or He's not. You either trust Him and let Him save you eternally and prepare you to live in eternity with Him or not. It's a permanent decision. You with me this morning? Permanent. Number two, espousal is not only a decision, it's a declaration. When you get espoused, it was made public. I mentioned earlier my wife's ring. She did not take her ring and every time she went in public, hide it in her pocket. I know of men that do that. I understand some men don't wear their wedding band because of their work. If men use that as an excuse, shame on them. But I know of men, they won't wear their wedding band. Won't wear it. I say, man, what's your problem? And by the way, I've lived long enough, that's a problem. If you can and you won't, it's because you don't want somebody to know that you're attached. I'm on a rabbit trail, but you'll bear with me, will you not? You know what? I don't mind wearing my wedding band. In fact, I like to, especially in the world we live in. I want you to know I'm bought. I am, I am attached, quite attached. You know, again, can you imagine? Give my wife a, an engagement ring. It was in two parts. She got the first part when we got engaged. She got the other part when we got married. Can you imagine? As I said, every time she walks in a room uh, full of old friends, she slides that thing off and puts it in her purse. I'd go, ah, hey, wait a minute now. What's going on here? Oh, let's look at the analogy. When we're at church, boy, we got our loyalty to Christ on. We sing the hymns of Zion. We are excited about the Lord Jesus Christ. We listen to the Bible. But when we get out into the workplace, all of a sudden we act like we never heard of Him. You with me? We took off our ring. We took off our identity because there are people that hate the Lord Jesus Christ. And that ring, that open... You know what the ring is for us was a symbol of an espousal. I don't know all what their symbols were, but when someone was espoused, there were symbols that went along to verify their espousal to someone. It was a public declaration. I have been chosen. I am not available. 
The world, listen Christian this morning, I'm preaching for just a minute. The world ought to know your heart is not available. It ought to know that you're not for sale, that you're not going to give your heart to earthly things, that the Lord Jesus Christ, who's coming again to get you, bought you, you belong to Him, and you'll live your life in preparation for the day you meet Him. You remember the story of the virgins and their oil? Some prepared and some did not. Some had oil and were ready for the bridegroom when he showed up in celebration of the wedding. And some didn't prepare. There are many today, the Lord's coming again. They have ignored the Spirit of God and they're not going to be ready when He arrives. I'm going to say this. God's people, we're we're to be ready. And this matter of espousal is an open, unashamed declaration. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm living my life. I belong to Him. He is my companion. He is the one I live to please. Uh, I'm not real concerned if you like the way I look, smell, or act. I'm concerned with what He thinks. You know, by the way, can I just remind you that's the way marriage is supposed to work? Ladies, you are supposed to, as a wife, you're supposed to live for the eyes of your husband, not the eyes of your husband and 200 other men. Men, as a, a man, we are supposed to live for the, the love and the, and, and, the, and the care of our wife. It's not to be all kinds of other ladies. We've forgotten what marriage is. is devotion one to another. The man to love and care for and to respect and honor his wife and the wife to love and care for and submit and obey. And that, com, that companionship works wonderfully when done God's way. May I say this? We in our churches have misunderstood and been deceived, I fear, about how the church relationship is. As I said, we love a dying world, but it does not matter. It does not matter if the lost world in Boundary County is impressed with or attracted to Bonners Ferry Baptist Church. What matters is does Jesus Christ approve of what He sees here? Does He approve of our disposition? Does He approve of our spirit? Does He approve of our lives? That's what matters. Not what the world thinks. And so this espousal is a declaration, number one, of mutual love. Both individuals, unashamed that they're engaged or espoused to one another, are expressing, I have the, I, my love is for that one. We, we understand God made a man to marry a woman. And so then you have to land on one. <laughs> and so it's a person saying, I am loyal to that one person. I'll say this. Even in the human relationship, there's times that some people, when you say who you're going to marry, will be thrilled for you. And others will be very upset with you. You ever see two people and they, they, they learn to care for one another and they decide they love one another and they're going to get married to each other and some person still has interest in one of them? You know who's going to be most upset to find out that they're engaged? The one that's still trying to hook them. <laughs> yeah. The world gets very upset to find out we are espoused to Jesus Christ that we don't dance to their tune, we don't walk to their instruction, we don't live for their approval, we live for His. Because the world still wants our heart. The world, and I'm talking about the things that will pass away, the unsaved and unregenerate, those that don't know God, the things that Satan controls are after the heart of God's people. First uh, John four nineteen, the Bible says, We love Him because He first loved us. Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know how many times when we're out among unbelievers, we back off in our open identity with Jesus Christ because we know their attitude toward Him. And we're a little bit ashamed to say, I belong to the Lord Jesus. 
we're intimidated by the one who's most upset that we're married to him instead of them. Yeah, you, let, me, let me just demonstrate. You get into the workforce, and the ungodly have a different tongue than saved people do. That's just Bible. When God saves you, it affects your tongue. You get into the workforce, they're going to say things and talk about things that if you're loyal to Christ, you don't want to talk about. He says those things are displeasing to him. That We're not to let any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. But the world wants you to be loyal to them and join them in their sin and their debauchery. Right? And what they want is loyalty to them. And when you say, my master's not pleased with that, oh boy. What I'm trying to say is this. When we are espoused, we are not to be ashamed. Espousal is an open declaration of love for one. The world ought to know who has our heart. May I say this? You know why people have gotten so confused about how to live the Christian life? Because they're listening to too many voices of approval. I'm asking too many people what they think. I'm attuned to what I want. I, may I say this? I keep talking about the world. Do you know who else has to go on the shelf if we're espoused to Jesus Christ? Me. You know, there are days, because I'm married to my wife, I have to set aside, and I'm not perfect at this by any stretch, but I have to set aside what I want for what she needs. That's my job. Being married means that. That we are to, I am to lay my life down for her. Meaning, I'm to set aside what I want. I'm to put aside my self Desires. Remember what we said simplicity was? It's the idea of putting aside a self-seeking. It's not to be self-seeking. You know what? In human marriage, just between two people, what messes things up is become self-seeking. Instead of seeking the benefit of my mate, I seek my own pleasure. And may I say this, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are espoused to Him, it is to be an open declaration of, my love is for Him. I want what He wants. I want what pleases Him, not what pleases them, not what pleases me. And I said, what gets us confused about, well, how should the Christian live? Is I'm listening to what I want, and I'm listening to what they want, and I hear what He wants, and I'm trying to figure out how to please everybody. Can't do it. You ever read Aesop's fable? You read a- I don't normally preach about fables, but it's a good parable. Aesop's fable of a man and his son, they're going to take a journey. And they start out, and they both are walking, and they have a donkey. And as they're walking along, the dad's, and I'm going to get it wrong, but this is the general idea. Son, you ride on the donkey. And he rides on the donkey, and somebody comes along and criticizes. He says, well, son, you have no respect for your father. You have to let your dad and respect your elder. Let him ride the donkey. And so they switch places, and the old man gets on the donkey, and he rides, and Come along and somebody says, well, my goodness, you fellows have no respect for that poor beast. You ought to carry him on your shoulders. And they do. And a little while later they say, well, you're fools. That animal's there. You ought to both ride on that donkey. And so they do. By the time they're done, they're all worn out and faint on the side of the road. Because instead of knowing what was the right thing, they just listened to everybody and tried to please everybody. May I say this? Christian life is to be lived this way. What does he want? It does not matter what my coworkers think. It doesn't matter what my lost family members think. It doesn't matter what carnal church members think. What does he want? I'm married to one. I'm espoused to one. I'm to live my life exclusively as a demonstration of love for him. Now, let's be reminded, what is, how is it we, as the espoused of Christ, demonstrate our love for him? The Bible is so very clear on this, John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. He's told us how to prepare He's preparing a place for us. He's told us how to prepare for that place by just keep my commandments. If you love me, keep
keep my commandments. Espousal is a declaration. It's an open declaration of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. He's saying, listen, it's Christ who died for us. We are to live out of love for him. He's the one who laid his life down for us. So it's a declaration of love. It's a declaration of loyalty. Love has to do with not only affection, but of the value that I place upon him and the value that he has placed upon me as demonstrated by his death in my place. Loyalty has to do with I will not be unfaithful to him. Yeah, again, we are, we are, we are in so much that I've never quite had to preach about fidelity and faithfulness like I have to in these days when it's almost something that is considered something of the past. I told my kids this week one of the things that was discouraging me when I went into the workforce is when I found out how common fornication and adultery was in our culture. People that were engaged and unfaithful to the person they're going to be married to. People that were married and unfaithful in a physical relationship with the person they're that they are married to. I want to remind us of a verse this morning. We're really touching on two issues. Hebrews 13, verse 4. Marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Listen, that's still God's mind. And when you apply that to the spiritual relationship, do you realize there is such a thing as spiritual adultery? I know I'm preaching this firm this morning, but it's Bible. James chapter 4, if you would. James chapter 4. When we place a higher value on physical things, on earthly things, than on the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with Him, we, in essence, are committing spiritual adultery. First John chapter 2 says, in verse 15 and 16, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life passeth away. Uh, but they that do the will of God, he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. James chapter 4, verse 1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Verse 2, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, verse 4 of James, uh, verse 3. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. And listen to what James says. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, I want to make some application this morning. Churches have changed the way we do church in our age. We don't do church the way we do here because we want to stick with some old-fashioned way. We're not trying to be retro church. You, You with me? We believe in using technology. We have lights and padded pews and instruments. Well, that's great. We can use those for the glory of God. But one of the things we don't want to do is try to appeal to people who don't know God and make them like the church. You with me? Because that is spiritual adultery. When we say, what can we do to get crowds of people who hate God to come in here and like it? It's a problem when our chief goal in life is to get those who hate our Savior to like us. That's what he means, friendship with the world. When I am so consumed with what unbelievers think about me instead of what my Savior thinks, it's spiritual adultery. 
If I came home every day to my wife and, and she says, you seem upset, what's wrong? I say, well, you know, there's a, there's a lady in town, she works in this business and she really didn't, she didn't like my coat and it, oh, just, I, it really upsets me. She was too, really, I wish you would wear a different coat. My wife's going to say, what is your problem? I like your coat. Well, I know you do, but, but she really doesn't like it. He said, man, you got a problem, right? Now listen, we say, well, the world, they really think we're weird. What does, what does our Savior think? You see, espousal is a statement of loyalty. Loyalty to who? Loyalty to him. What does he want? What does he think? What pleases him? What's acceptable in his sight? When I start living for what is acceptable to them instead of what is acceptable to him, it is spiritual adultery. It is uncleanness because I'm espoused to one. So espousal is a decision. Espousal is a declaration. May I read a couple of other verses very quickly? Matthew chapter 10 before we go to our final point, which is espousal is a devotion. We've already been touching on that. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. How many of you know that young people deal with peer pressure? Meaning they are very concerned with what people their own age think about them. How many of you know that middle-aged people are very affected by peer pressure? And senior saints are affected by peer pressure. You don't outgrow peer pressure. We just learn to guise our response to it differently. If we don't learn to live for Christ, we'll live under peer pressure. That's the way that works. I believe we can get a hold of this concept that Christ has bought me. Christ owns me. I belong to Him. It will liberate us because you know what? Then we're no longer torn with trying to please them and please Him. We're just living singularly to please Him. And what, when, when He has my heart, if they think it's weird, hey, so be it. He doesn't. And so then, let's read this. Matthew 10. We're talking about espousal is a decision. It's a declaration. Matthew 10, 32 and 33 says this. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. I believe we hear this this way. Um, like Peter, when he's the night of the crucifixion, someone says, you're one of his disciples. He says, I am not. Now, he was denying the Lord. He denied he knew him. And the Lord restored him, forgave him, got him back in service. But I also believe when we look at, at denying the Lord throughout Scripture, it has to do with contradicting him. Contradicting him. Not only denying our knowledge of him, but contradicting him. There are, I mean, I have a question. Do unbelievers contradict the Lord Jesus Christ? And the pressure is to join them for their friendship so they'll like us, so they'll accept us. We'll join them in denying Him. He says, may I say this, He says some things that the world hates. Jesus says He is the exclusive way to God. That all religion, Jesus did not say all religions are good. That's what man says. God never said that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 6 and Acts 4, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said that about how to gain eternal life. He tells us there is a literal hell and there's a literal heaven. Do you realize unbelievers don't believe those things? And they're going to challenge us on that. And we're going to be tempted to deny him before men. Well, I don't believe that either. If our loyalty is to him, we're going to say, he said that and he's right. That's what he said and he's right. We will be loyal and faithful to him privately, publicly. Espousal 
It is a declaration, a public declaration of love and loyalty to the one we are espoused to. Thirdly, espousal is devotion. It is devotion that is based in duty. All right, we understand that if I'm espoused to one, that now I have an obligation to be faithful. But how long will that last? If I'm only going to be loyal, and you may make that last a long time. You know what? There are marriages, sadly, because people are not perfect like the Lord Jesus Christ. The only perfect marriage is that to Jesus Christ. But because people are not like Christ, there are men and there are women who for years have been faithful to their wedding vows for one reason. I made a vow. I'm not enjoying keeping this vow. My mate is making it hard to keep this vow. I am loving them or I'm submitting. and I'm only doing it for the Lord's sake, not because I'm enjoying it. I don't find delight in it, but it is my duty. May I say, duty will get you started. Delight will keep you going. Yeah, I'm saying, do what's right because it's duty. But I say our devotion to Christ is twofold. It's duty and it's delight. It is our duty to be loyal to Him. It is our duty to obey Him. It is our duty to carry out His will and His purposes. It is our duty to keep our heart free from loyalty to anyone or anything else. It is to Him and Him alone. That's our duty, but it's also our delight. Let me give you some scriptures as we close. Luke chapter 17. Now, the context here is a servant and not a mate, and we understand that, but I want to speak to the issue of duty. I think today, when we fulfill our duties, we see that as heroism because we're, we're making comparisons to others. May I say this? If we do everything we're supposed to do, it's just our duty. We're not heroes. Look, if I said, look, my wife and I, we've been married 20 plus years and I've never had an affair on her. Today, oh, that's extraordinary. You're a wonderful husband. No, I'm not. I'm what every husband ought to be. That's just duty, friend. You know, I don't, uh, you know, I don't run around with my wife and da, da, da. Well, that's just duty. That's not extraordinary. That's just duty. Uh, it's her duty to do the same. And, uh, the same with our master to, oh, look, if you obey Jesus Christ 100% of the time, 100% of the time, you know what we've done? It's just our duty. That's, that doesn't make you a phenomenal Christian. That makes us at the elementary level. That's baseline. <laughs> It's just our duty to obey Him. He's our Master. He's our God. He's our Savior. What should there be any less than that? And so Luke chapter 17, verse 7 says, But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, By and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you... Now notice what Jesus said. He's talking to his disciples. When ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. So when I've done everything the Lord Jesus tells me, I'm just being what I'm supposed to be. The marriage relationship or the espousal, if you would... We're devoted to one, but that's just what's right. If I'm a spouse to them, that's what is right in the sight of God. That's what is true. That's what I agreed to do. And so then it's our duty to prepare for this marriage, and it's our duty to remain pure, to keep our heart pure from any other love or loyalty. Again, in 2 Corinthians 11, the espousal period, again, it's a period of preparation for a wife perhaps to prepare uh, uh, herself and tying up loose ends and releasing from her home and the husband to prepare a place for them to live and both of them to make those preparations, whether it be weeks or months, and getting ready for that marriage. And in that season... They are to keep themselves exclusively
exclusively for one another and not get involved with other people romantically. And even so with us. We're not to get in a love affair in this world with the things, with riches or with pleasures or with the, uh, the people that represent those things. He's to hold our heart. Again, Second Corinthians 11, verse 3, But I fear, let's, excuse me, verse 2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The chastity, a word we don't hear much today. Someone keeping themselves pure before marriage and after marriage. Before marriage by having no partners in the physical sense. And after marriage by having one. That's God's way. It's a sad day. We have to remind folk that's, that God didn't change His mind. And so fornication and adultery are wrong. And spiritually speaking, if Christ is not holding my heart and loyalty and love, but perhaps the world has gotten my admiration, and I've started thinking, boy, I wonder if a life outside of obedience to Christ and service to Christ would be more appealing than serving Christ. I wonder if serving the the pleasures of this life for a while would be a little better than serving the Lord. That's not being true to my espousal. You see, I have a duty to prepare, but I have a duty to stay pure, and especially I speak now in the spiritual sense, uh, to stay pure from other loyalties and other affections. Again, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says. So it's a, a devotion of duty, and then finally it's a devotion of delight. Look at Psalm 40, verse 8. Psalm 40, verse 8. I remember when my wife and I were engaged, she was making preparations for the wedding. I was making more preparations for the marriage. (laughs) Uh, She's making preparations for all those things. She's finishing up some schooling. I was finishing up some schooling. But I went ahead and rented a house, and the house needed some work done, needed paint and these things. And so I would work all day. I had a a 40- to 50-hour-a-week job. And I'd work all day, and I'd go home. I'd clean up a little bit. I was 19 years old. Clean up a little bit. Go put my uh, my paint clothes on. Go over to the house we had rented, and I'd paint all evening until dark and after dark. And man, I was burning candle on both ends. Lost weight. I lost 10 or 15 pounds running hither and yon, getting a marriage certificate. We were making preparations. And may I say, it never bothered me one bit. Every hour I spent rolling paint on those walls, I was excited. Now, it was my duty. Well, how many of us would agree? It was my duty to prepare a place for us to live. That was, as the husband, it's my duty to have as a place. That was my duty. It was also my delight. Why was it my delight? Because she had my heart. You know, there are things today that I have opportunity to do and she has opportunity to do for me, and we find not only that it's our duty it comes Valentine's Day, I want to do something for her. Well, it's Valentine's Day, I better do something or she'll be mad. That's duty. The other is, well, I love her and she knows it. We'll go down to the store and read a card together. Well, that may be delight, but you're missing your duty. God seeketh such to worship Him. They that worship Him in what? Spirit and in truth. Duty and delight. I will because it's right. And I delight in doing what's right. You with me? When Christ has my heart, I'll obey Him because it's right. But I'll do what's right because He enjoys me doing what's right. And my delight is in doing His will. Psalm 40, verse 8. David says, I delight to do Thy will, O my God. Yea, Thy law is within my heart. Now, law is duty, is it not? 
But he said, I delight to do what you want me to do. Now, I just want to ask you this question this morning. Do you delight to serve Jesus Christ? You say, what do you mean? Do you delight doing what he wants you to do? Do you delight being what he wants you to be? Do you live your life to say, you know what? I know that living for what pleases him may make me an oddball in this world. Paul called it, uh, he bore in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus, and he literally did. That word marks is the Greek word stigma, meaning he had marks on him that were because of his love and loyalty to Jesus Christ. And he said, I bear those in my body. I stick out and I'm a bit of an oddball because of my loyalty to Christ. We'll tell you something. One of the reasons we pull back from being loyal to Jesus Christ is because of all the disloyalty around us. We need to get our hearts set on one. We've been espoused to one. Finally, Psalm 119, verse 35. Psalm 119, verse 35. Talking about espousal is a decision. Espousal is a public declaration. And espousal is a devotion, something we are 100% given to out of duty and delight, or in spirit and in truth. Psalm 119, verse 35. Again, the psalmist writes, Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. You know what? When I'm espoused to Jesus Christ, I find my joy in pleasing him. That's where I find my joy. You may be sitting here this morning and say, I don't find my joy really in pleasing Christ. Let the word of God do its work. If that's not the case, maybe number one, he's never won your heart. Perhaps you've not let him buy you, purchase you. Every one of us is servant to someone or something today. We're either a servant to sin or a servant to Christ. We are either owned by the world and the devil or we're owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, maybe this morning that you can't appreciate the love of Christ because you've not received it yet. You've not received what he did for you when he died for your sins on the cross. And if that's the case, know today that Jesus Christ was broken and bled for the sins of every man, including yours and mine, and that he lives today and he desires to purchase you out of sin and make you his own. That's on the authority of God's word. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. i got news for you. Only Christ truly loves you. The world will use you and throw you away. Sin will use you and throw you out. Not Jesus Christ. He died to purchase you. And I would encourage you, let him do that today. When you get saved, you let Christ purchase you out of sin. You become his But may I say, it's not a light decision. When he purchased you, you're his forever. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, Christian, this morning, maybe you say, you know what? I find living for Christ feels like a distraction from what I really want to do. We're espoused to one. If my heart is not engaged in serving Christ, ask yourself, and better than that, ask the Spirit of God, Show me who's stolen my heart. What has stolen my heart? Had the pleasures of this life? What am I lusting after instead of loving him? You see, the heart will be driven by lust or led by love. It will be driven by lust, lust for things, 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 more, more, things. Or it will be guided by love for him. An espousal says, I'm loyal to him, I love him, and therefore I'll obey him. I'm now God speaking to you this morning. Do you delight to do his will? If not, and the Spirit of God is saying, you know what? 
someone or something else, the world or even your own longings have your heart. And you're not simplistic. You're not simply living for the one who bought you. Then this morning, make that right with him.